This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As we kick off the last week of July, time to celebrate summer by realizing how easy it is for us and how difficult it is for some others that are protecting us and keeping us safe. Oh, gee, I think it's time for our shout out. Time to shout out to the men and women of our U.S. military on behalf of uh, those of us making podcasts in mom's basement to those of us working at Navy Federal Credit Union. Here's to our troops. Let's go stack some Benjamins together, shall we? Semper Fi. Thanks, everybody. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and a big happy birthday to actor Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> We've packaged up a special treat because today we finally welcome to the show one of the biggest bloggers in personal finance, Mr. Money Mustache. For our TikTok Minute, we found OG's next side gig, and in our headlines, how safe is your 401k? We'll help you make it safer. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to a listener hoping to use a college savings plan in a slightly different way. And then I'll share my birthday boy Matt LeBlanc-themed trivia. And now, two guys who are ready to rock their mics, our very own Joey and O-J-J-J-J-G! Hey there, stackers, and a happy and friendly... See what I did there, Doug? Friendly. Ah. <laughs> Monday yes. to you. Really not that hard to do, but okay, Joe, we'll give you props for that. <laughs> Ninja in training right there. Happy Monday, everybody. We're here to help you get started on your week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy an hour of uh, financial chattery. Man, we got a great show today, OG, because we finally got him. Finally. After 10 years in, we finally got Mr. Money Mustache coming down to the basement. Oh, jeez. You know, finally glad he decided to grace us with his presence. What a, 
What a swell dude. I don't understand, because I thought we were like the dons of the financial podcasting world. Like, we had to anoint and and say when people were legitimate now. Like, aren't we like the final bosses when it comes to this? And people are like, they go on their shows like, we made it on to Stacking Benjamins. Well, that's that's what he said, OG. He's like, hey, I'm not quite legit. When uh, he hosted us in Longmont, hosted my book tour, which was fantastic. And I was able to sit down with him and record an interview. But he's like, I got to record with you because I'm, 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 I'm not sure if people take me seriously or not. Or not. Yes. <laughs> yes, finally, he gets it. The guy's been on every major uh, outlet except Stacky Benjamins. And now this, uh, what is it? Um, like the board game Connect 4. He finally connects all, all I don't know. That's wow. Not, that was so weak. I know. I was bringing it. We were doing good. Doing very good. Hey, we. <laughs> it was like a three foot pothole in the middle of the road. Gunk. <laughs> you bent your rims on that one, man. And, and then you did it again on the back tires. It's like you hit it once and you're like, don't do it again. Oh, God. Oh, it's going to happen again. Stop it. Uh, not only do we have that, we got a great headline about your 401k, maybe not as safe as you think it is, TikTok video, and so much more. But before all that, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country and I also think about some of our active service members. Want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. All right, Mr. Money Mustache, waiting in the wings, so let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from NapaNet.org. Napa is the National Association of Plan Advisors, those people that uh, administer 401k plans, pension plans, all those uh, things. A great website, by the way, that kind of shows what goes on in the space where financial advice meets your workplace plan. But listen, listen to this. This is uh, this is difficult. 401k account hacker sacked 
a hack of a New Jersey-based employee benefit and payroll management company, serves as a powerful reminder of the need to secure those online participant accounts. Maryland man just indicted on money laundering charges related to money obtained through unlawful computer intrusions that targeted a New Jersey-based employee benefit and payroll management company, according to U.S. Attorney Philip R. Selinger. Didn't he write Catcher in the Rye, too? <laughs> Philip, oh, it was such a good book. Andy wrote this whole this whole case down as well. One might be a little more uh, scintillating than the other. Courtesy of U.S. Justice Department, one Olandapo Sunday Ogambayi, 40 years old at Greenbelt, Maryland, has now been charged by indictment with one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering, two counts of money laundering, two counts of engaging in transaction property derived from criminal activity. OG, it used to be that it was straightforward. You had a prince in Nigeria who needed funding. You had uh, somebody who's just, you know, walks up to grandma and asks her for money. But now, now we are going after your 401k. I know uh, my spouse works in healthcare and uh, she and other people where she work all the time now are getting phone calls about, oh, uh, we're calling from the health department and we need to get into your medical records. Um, Call in the medical people trying to get into your med stuff. It's all over the place. I think we might need to turn up the vigilance meter this summer a little bit. The vigilance? Vigilance. <laughs> vigilance. <laughs> like, we're turning up the volume on the vigilance people? Yeah, the vigilance people. <laughs> YMCA security. <laughs> Doug and I were just talking about this the other day, about all the comfort and uh, ease of use with credit card transactions oh, and yeah. things like that. And then somebody gets your stuff and... And then, you know, you got to take half a day to sync up your Spotify membership again and your Netflix membership again. And, you know, make sure your all your stuff is paid on time. It's just so we value all of the the convenience factor of being able to do that. And then to do that, we have to have a lot of information out there. And then if you have a lot of information out there, then not so fun things can happen. But um, if you're not using something as simple as a password manager right now, if your passwords are all you know, I H A T E M Y J O B one. And then maybe an exclamation point at the end of that. If that's your, you know, run of the mill password for all your stuff, you are asking for trouble. There's yeah. a great website called how secure is my password.net, which sounds a lot like a place to, yeah, <laughs> to get your password. <laughs> put, in, put in the name of the site and your password. Please we'll tell you. give us your password.org. What is your mother's maiden name? Correct. <laughs> and, you, and, you know, and then it says your password was safe until four seconds ago. Exactly. You know, what, what was the color of your first car? That is correct. <laughs> it's like all the ones on Facebook that are like, yeah. that are like, you know, let's play a game. Kids from the eighties. Remember this. What was your favorite song? And it's like, Oh, my favorite song is this. Oh, my favorite song is this. It's like building an algorithm. Some of your moms had weird maiden names. What, what was your, what was your mom's maiden name? Cause these are hilarious. Your porn name is the street you grew up on. And the last four digits of your American express card number on the front. <laughs> Yeah. So anyways, if you're not using a password manager, you're crazy. Yeah. You know, they're a hundred bucks a year or something like that. It's the best money you can spend. And you just have to have some ability to put some checks and balances in here. Well, you really need those OG because in this particular account, 
the perpetrator here got unauthorized access to a 401k account. It doesn't say how, but it's probably, you know, there's easy ways. Hey, I'm calling from the 401k company. We need to get in and check something. And then he went in and he added a separate bank account number. Then he withdrew into the new bank account. All of, uh, all this person's funds, $246,390 transferred to the bank account belonging to the account that was added again, without the victim's knowledge or consent. Yeah. You know, you guys might remember, I spent decades in the IT industry. Um, I've come across this a few times and password management is, it is, it is like the, it's worse than the mosquito of the IT world, you know, back office management and, and help desk support is so that we spend so much time on password management for people who refuse to come up with unique, creative passwords. I, uh, while you guys were talking about that, I went out and looked and I found this other article on a, a pretty good site. Um, if you're looking into security matters, securityboulevard.com and the, they published, you know, the 250 most common passwords that are, that are used. They find them on the dark web because your stuff is all over the dark web, whether you realize it or not. Some of the 20 most common passwords, you guys have already said several of them, but, uh, what do you think the number one most common password is? Password. Nope. It's close. That's number two. Your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's not, he's not, by the way, talking about the phrase. Dougie's not talking about the phrase your mom. He's talking about your mom specifically. <laughs> Turns out my mom has been all over the now, place. It's one, two, three, four, five, six. Of course. Uh, you know, and there's, all, yeah. there's so many variations of that. But people just, I don't, they don't trust themselves to remember anything more complex. And they also just don't want to go to the effort to try to create unique passwords for different things because they think I'm not going to be able to remember. You know, I have, I have a password manager and I have like 97 different sites or things I need a password for. So I get it. I get why people want to use the same password for everything because you think I just want to use the, the, when I forget it, I want to know I can just pick that one, but it's just, the risk is not worth the rewards. Um, they, this article also did a, a fun thing. They categorize them and they have them like, what's the most common password used by a uh, you know, person's name or by sports or by food? What do you think the most common one is for places for like a place name? Unsubscribe. Well, to do that, OG, we're going to need your password if you want to unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that is a really common way that people give out their passwords unwittingly is they'll get a very legitimate looking text or an email saying your password has been compromised. We need you to log in and change your password. And that link is yeah. where the ba- the bad actor is and then collecting. Fishing. Yeah, that's that's their phishing. But it looks, yeah. it'll look really, really legit. But some of these, I just, I just clicked on this link that you shared, Doug. The, the, the most common animal that people use is lemon fish. Like who would use lemon fish? People put baseball, the word baseball and everything or cookie. Surprising. I mean, I think uh, Rob Manford has to be pretty happy that that baseball is the most common. That tells him <laughs> that his sport is not dying the way everybody says it is. Like I saw that lemon fish one. I'm like, why would people, is that easy? So like I practiced typing it. That's not any easier to type than any other word. Where the hell did that come from? Lemon fish. Lemon fish. such a thing? Sunshine, baseball, Tigger, New York, Maggie. Out of all the names, like why is, why is Maggie used? It's gotta be, that's a popular 
child's name right now. So it's just got to be people using their kid's name. That's the only thing I could think of. Yes. But anyway, yeah, just, you know, go to the effort, people. Use special characters. Use lots of, you know, upper and lower case. And just don't use the same password for 97 different sites. It's really simple. In this person's case, obviously, they went to more effort, right? Probably had to make a phone call because you got to get the bank account information in there and all that sort of stuff. Somebody calls you and says, hey, I'm from the 401k company. I need your help. Just go, great, cool. I'll hang up and I'll call you right back. That's a good point, and OG. log in online, find the 800 number and call them and go, hey, somebody just called me and uh, there's some service I need. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, Bill from accounting just called. He needs to update this. Problem solved. It takes an extra 20 seconds. Because even in this case, a password manager wouldn't have saved you. It could have been the most complex ever. And if you're yeah. handing it out, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, because it's an inbound link coming to you, you're, you're, you know, no yeah. matter how, how secure you think it is. Yeah. You get an email from, I got an email from Facebook that said, you need to change your password. I'm like, <clears throat> nice try. Delete. Two days later, you need to change password. Ha, nice try. Delete. And then finally, I'm not on Facebook very much at all. And finally, on my phone, I opened up Facebook and it was like, we've been trying to reach you. You need to change your password before we log you in. I'm like, oh, okay. Now, I went directly to that, you know, to the website to do that. So I assumed it was BS and it turned out to be legitimate. But um, yeah. the easy solution is don't click on a link in an email. Go to the website directly. Right. Hang. Somebody calls you, hang up, and then just say, okay, cool. I'll call you right back you know, call the legitimate 800 number. So just assume that everyone is trying to steal your crap <laughs> and then, and then operate accordingly. We will link to uh, both of these, the link that Doug shared with the worst passwords. <laughs> so many bad ones on here. And we'll link to our original story here from Napa Dash Nat on our show notes page at stackbenjamins.com. Tomorrow, Brooke Miller in our newsletter, the 201 will dive more into the password problem. Lots of uh, interesting stories. Uh, you can go down that rabbit hole like uh, Doug was alluding to when he talked about the tech industry trying to keep you all safe and not annoy the crap out of you at the same time. Like it's so difficult as they walk the walk that tightrope. Time for our TikTok minute, though. Now, this is time when we share a video on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook or some other social media channel that speaking of <laughs> giant security risk let's talk about tiktok <laughs> let's talk about all Which the is, things you accepted when you went into their terms of service oh my god their terms of service tell you flat out without even trying to hide it we will share your information with anybody any legitimate government organization that asks anybody we want to yep they they tell you and they change those terms of service without telling you. And it's the number one social platform. It is. And they put monitoring stuff in your browsers to supposedly look out for bad stuff, but they are collecting so much information about all the hardware you're using, your location. And what it type is, of dances you like to do, right? Yeah. Because I see that all the time. But let's keep endorsing TikTok. Absolutely. <laughs> so what's the video, Joe? <laughs> let's do it. Well, this one came from Facebook, Doug, because they are way better because oh, nobody, yeah. nobody I trust more than Zuckerberg with my stuff. This this may be OG's latest side. I know his old side gig we just completely ruined because he's been emailing people trying to get their 401k information, but now the gig Stop is it. up on that deal. Yeah, probably not. But instead, how about this job? Listen to this one. Did I make 10,000 a month uploading feet pics? Let me give you a step-by-step. -step. I've said it before, the first step is getting one of these bad boys. People on Feet Finder love these things. They make bringing in the dough even easier. So you're gonna wanna do a few dips just like that. Hit it with the one time, two time, 
three time. Oh yeah, my 95 year old buyer's gonna love that. Give it a few strokes. And ladies and gentlemen, this is where we peel. It's the best part. Best part coming up, remove the crown. And now I'm all set to upload on Feet Finder. And there it is. OG just uploading videos on Feet Finder after he dips it in some wax and then he peels the wax off so people can watch him peel stuff off his feet. I know that's, you're going to make $10,000 a month. I don't even know what I just heard. I am so confused right now. Dude makes $10,000 a month on feetfinder.com, apparently. I've never heard of feetfinder.com. I haven't even. Liar. Sure you haven't. That's <laughs> <It's> where I've... <laughs> The gig is up, Joe. I, I see the corporate card. I know how much that <laughs> membership fee is. It's, have you watched the guy peel it off his big toe off the crown like he was talking about? Just oh peeling God. the wax off it. What mm. is the matter with people? Just goes to show, folks, if there is anything that's going on in your life and you're like, dang, I need to go make some extra money, you can do anything, anything. and you will make money. I'm going to trim my eyelashes on eyelashfetish.com. This guy doesn't have- Maybe not that. By the way, I've seen, I've seen my share of feet. This dude, does he have great feet? I think it's satire, Joe. It's, oh, no. <laughs> oh, is it? Lost no. on me. Hey, log into feetfinder.com and see. Spe- speaking okay, now, of. All three of us are going to search for feetfinder.com. No, 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 no. That, if you go to that link, we have not tested that, stackers. Do not go there. We just talked about security in your computer. Not sure I want to. It's not real, but it's totally real. <laughs> not sure I want to go there. <laughs> Don't go there. Coming up next, speaking of satire, a guy who says on the front page of his website that he accidentally started a cult. But if you're going to start a cult, how about one that endorses saving more money using the simplest math possible to learn how to get some great financial habits? Mr. Money Mustache began with a bang. Back in 2012, he burst on the scene with a piece that uh, is now legendary called The Shockingly Simple Math Behind Early Retirement. So many people have read this piece and used it to realize, you know what? I might be going the wrong direction my money. Well, a lot of people have talked to him about that. What they haven't talked to him about is a recent blog post that he had, which was on real estate versus stocks. He has an opinion there. He also has an opinion about this recent stock market downturn and uh, the worst year so far that we've had in a long, long, long time. What does Mr. Money Mustache think about those things? Well, recently while I was in Longmont, I was able to set out some microphones and interview and we'll play that for you in just a second. But first, Doug, to get us there, I think you got some birthday boy trivia, huh? Sure do, Joe. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and nothing I love better than spending the day celebrating the birthday of a celebrity who has no idea who I am. I'm sure you all do that with my birthday, don't you? Well, in celebration of Matt LeBlanc's special day, Joe's mom organized a party upstairs tonight to celebrate like the old days and dive into some old episodes of one of the most watched shows ever to appear on TV. Friends, remember when we used to have to wait for shows to come out so we could binge them in these little tiny chunks? Friends, starring a cast who've all gone on to even more starring roles, was part of what Glamour magazine called one of the best Thursday night lineups in history. Sure, there was the 
2009 to 2012 lineup of Community, Parks and Rec, The Office, and 30 Rock, and all the old guys like Joe can't forget that 93 and 94 lineup of Mad About You, Wing, Seinfeld, and Frasier. So here's a question about the blockbuster Thursday hit fest that included Friends from 2000 to 2002. Name two of the other three shows in that lineup. I'll be back as soon as I go look up where I can watch some old scandal reruns. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to Uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, we're able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals and collaborate with your partner. And now because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30 day free trial. When you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad free privacy. You can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads after trying out Monarch myself. I totally get why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey there, stackers. I'm TV show binger and buttered popcorn inhaler Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. You know, when Friends first aired, the cast members, including today's birthday boy, Matt LeBlanc, were paid a paltry $22,500 per episode. I mean, who can even live on that? But luckily, they survived long enough that by the third season, they were reportedly bringing home a little more palpable $100,000 an episode. Thank God. They were part of an NBC lineup the network called Must See TV, which is a little bit more clever than their first attempt, which was, you should probably watch this TV. Better ring to it, huh? What other shows were in that hit lineup from 2000 to 2002? Well, Friends kicked off the evening and was followed by Will and Grace, Just Shoot Me, and ER. Did you get them all? 
You need to go outside more. Seriously, time for like a nice long hike. Maybe to your friend's house to go binge some more on Netflix. See ya! Coming down the stairs to the basement, Mr. Money Mustache. Pete is here. How are you, man? Oh, we're in a basement. We are. You can't yeah. tell. We're in mom's basement. Oh, I'll play along with that. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. I'm fantastic. Thank you. And uh, welcome to the basement of the Mr. Money Mustache headquarters as that, well. That's right. Yes. We are actually at Mr. Money Mustache headquarters. This is a beautiful place, by the way. Thanks. Especially in the summer. It's a little uglier when it's covered in uh, you know, ice or whatever. Yeah, but still, I don't know. I've, we moved back to Texas and I love, um, I love winter. My wife does not love winter. So moving back to Texas, great for her. Good for me in the fall and the spring, but not so much in the summer. But I want to talk yeah. about that. What I'd like to do, I'd like to dive into something I've never heard you talk about, uh, the early years of, of being Pete. I'm imagining that uh, your family must have talked a little bit about money when you were growing up. Well, it wasn't one of those like sit down the kids and say, okay, children, this is how money works. It was more about learning by example, demonstrating by example. You know, my, my parents, I think they probably grew up pretty poor. So they, they carried on with that tradition and lived frugally even when they made a bit more money. And they were never a high-income family. So that also helped me to pick up, uh, you know, a bit of scarcity mentality, but just enough. Yeah. Were you ever worried as a kid that you didn't have money? No, there was never a worry of like the family, you know, going homeless or hungry. Yeah. It's just middle class. Uh, on the other hand, we always... Had the last, we're the last one to get the VCR in the microwave, as I say in many interviews, just so you know, we're not in new territory yet. <laughs> I got, well, no, it's funny. I got Jordache jeans right when they went on sale, which was when they were going out of style. And then <laughs> right. I got the, uh, I got the record player that had the eight track in it because it was on sale because eight tracks were going bye-bye. Oh. So yeah, got all that good stuff. But I do want to ask you about that because, you know, so many families talk about having conversations and involving their kids in the conversations, having them at the table, maybe even involving them in the budget. How do you feel about that kind of stuff? I think that's a great idea. And nowadays with my own son, who is now 16 years old, through his whole life, we've always been, I was always very open with money and, um, you know, just talk about like, oh, is, is that worthwhile to spend money on that? And like, why do your parents not have to work? Why does your dad have all this time to spend with you? So he understood the idea of early retirement and money and the trade-offs therein. And he never had a deprived life, but it was also never a, a super fancy life. It's probably like upgrade from mine because I'm a bit more of a, a luxury lover than my parents <laughs> were. And, I, and, you know, to be honest, I am I'm a little wealthier than my parents were too. Sure. But uh, I think he's got, you know, he's catching on. He's going to be pretty uh, reasonable with money. I can tell now that he's a young adult. But it's funny because people talk about that, about, you know, spoiled rich kid. I, re I remember going to school with some kids that got the new car, got the new stuff. And I don't think it's about the wealth that you have. I think it's more about what you value. Yeah. And a rich family could spoil their kid and a poor family could spoil a kid and vice versa. It really. And of course, there's a lot of genetic factors. Like some people are just natural sort of squirrel frugal type people. And some people yeah. are like spenders. And even within the same family, two different siblings can be completely different in, with money. So you keep all that in mind. And if you're a parent, you can't just pat yourself on the back or beat yourself up because you didn't really control the outcome as much as you probably think you did. But on, on that note, too, we do kind of beat ourselves up. I remember thinking, man, I should have done a better job teaching my kids that. And then by the time I'm old enough to know what lessons I should have been teaching, Pete, my kids are in college and they're, they're headed out to live without me. Yeah. 
And no. so obviously they're still alive. So you've they, done a they good job. Did, they did, they did great. Yeah. I mean, you even did, even went to college. That's quite an accomplishment as a parent to get kids, you know, bold enough to do that. Now, when you were a kid, though, growing up and being frugal, is, is that where your frugal nature really came from? You think it was mom and dad and upbringing? Or do you think it's that in the genes thing? Probably both. Maybe more on the genes for me because I was like a little engineer kid and I like to do little inventions and optimize stuff. And I still like to, everything I, I do now is just, it's just fun. It's a game for me. So I like to be thinking about how can I waste less and how can I have more fun and not throw out a bunch of crap or waste a bunch of unnecessary energy. Like I got this, my backyard is like a little science lab with like a hot tub that I can heat with my campfire <laughs> and uh, just all kinds of little tricks like that. I take showers with my garden hose nowadays because it's red hot in Colorado. This yeah, season. yeah, yeah. And I got this hundred foot long garden hose and a beautiful private side yard. So I just come home from like work and construction or going for a bike ride and I just take showers with the hot water from my garden hose. I have like a bottle of shampoo out there and I'm like, yeah, solar heated water. After, after this episode, people are going to have to watch. You're going to have to watch out for the drones now. Oh, yeah. All the people with the drones Paparazzi. trying to get the, yeah, the TMZ getting Mr. Money Mustache. Uh, yeah. Uh, with the hose. I'll keep an eye on the sky next time. I'm washing the undercarriage. <laughs> when, when. Uh, it's so funny because I think, you know, everybody knows the simple bath, right? I, I mean, that that blog post. However, a story that I haven't heard, and I'm sure you've told it before, but I haven't heard, was your state of mind when you wrote that post. And, and, and really, did you write it for you? Did you write it for a community? Or did you write it to a specific person? Like, what was the headspace you were in when you wrote that incredibly transformative are you piece. talking about the article called the Shockingly Simple Math? Shockingly Simple Math. Early Retirement? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, I was just in a pretty normal type stuff into the computer mood. but It was that, just another day? Yeah, but that was early in my blogging career, right? So I had been retired for six years before I even started writing this, this article, I mean, this website. Yeah. And then um, I also was reading Early Retirement Extreme by Jacob yeah. Fisker, and he had like a lot of mathematical ex- expressions uh, you know of, of what it means to be retired and I kind of put that together because I didn't retire using a formula I had a rough idea of the number I wanted to retire with but I wasn't really thinking about the four percent rule so then I read these books about it you know and like the articles about the trinity study and blah 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 like about the idea of four percent and I thought oh well I my main skill is not uh, researching super complicated stuff and doing equations it's mainly mainly like repackaging existing information into fun to read formats that's actionable. So I'm like, I'm going to try Mr. Money Mustache take on this old research and strip away all the crap. So it's like your time to retirement depends on only one thing. That's it. And then, and then, uh, yeah, I'm glad it caught on because I was trying to make it really simple. And I was thinking like, yeah, if I do the good job of this, this is going to be the article that people link to when they talk about early retirement and how, how much money you need. And I even like titled the URL accordingly. And sure enough, like that was one of my guesses that turned out right. Most of them turn out wrong. That's still like the most widely read article in the blog nowadays. Sure. Like, it gets a lot of links. And I believe good. it. But is it something that's the key to being successful at whatever you do? You said most of the time you get it wrong. Sometimes you get it right. Is, is truly the key to being good at something, trying more often? Yeah, I would say that's a good, uh, you know, success formula and entrepreneurship formula. Some people think you just got to grind. I think it's more likely that you'll succeed if you're inclined to grind because you enjoy it. Yeah. So like I'm not I'm not very good at certain things or I'm not drawn to do certain things. So I can't force myself to be good at them like, you know, juggling or 
playing certain musical instruments because I just don't want to practice. But there's other stuff I'm just drawn to do. Like for me, it's construction and carpentry. So I can or playing with a hose. <laughs> garden or showers, pretty good at that. The one thing that I'm most good at, I would say, is construction, like building houses and solving problems in the physical world. It's because I'm drawn to do that for hours every single day for like the last 20, 20 to 30 years or something like that. And my son is drawn to do stuff on the computer, like music making and video 3D animation and stuff. He does that for eight hours a day, like for no reason. He doesn't have to. He's just drawn to do it. So he's going to become world class in that field. And uh, I think that's kind of the key to success is like people who are drawn to do things rather than force themselves to do something they don't really want to do. We were having this discussion recently, uh, Paula Pant and I from Afford Anything. We were talking about, is it follow your passion because that, or is it more follow your curiosity? Well, maybe curiosity first. And then if you have a passion to keep doing that thing, then you're probably, you're more likely to get good at it. And then if you have multiple passions and curiosities, you might choose to pick one that makes you money if you need to make money. Yeah. And then it doesn't matter after you have enough money. Like my construction, it only makes me like construction wages, which is not as good as like engineer wages or blogger wages. Sure. But I do mostly construction just because that's what's what's passionately awesome and satisfying for me. Because it's fun and you can choose to do that with your time. Yeah. And it's good for your health too, right? So your mental and physical health, anything on the computer is going to kind of grind that down over time because you're just sitting down. Um, whereas for me as a you know, middle-aged gentleman, I need to think about all these factors and I need to do something physical like hours of exercise each day if I want to stay healthy. So construction gets um, the nod for that reason too. I want to dive back into that in just a second because that is the topic in the blog post that came out today at Mr. Money Mustache. But before we get to that, I got one more question about Pete growing up which is early jobs that you had. What did your early jobs look like, your part-time jobs? And what did that teach you and kind of inform you as to the person you are today? I think these are, that was really good for me. Like my jobs were really helped define my adulthood because I felt a shortage of money as a kid because my parents didn't buy me anything. Mm. I pretty much had to even start buying my own clothes and, you know, at least some of my own food, definitely my own luxuries. Like if I wanted movie tickets or beer or whatever, and if I wanted to drive the family car, I had to pay for all the expenses associated to that, which means I was driven to get jobs. So my jobs in order roughly were like helping out, working on the house, you know, like lawn mowing and painting around the house. And then I became a paper boy. Then I got a job at a gas station. Then I got a job at a convenience store and then a hardware store and then another gas station. And like they were pretty crappy jobs, very, you know, low paid and not the, very, not the nicest working environment, especially the gas station. I don't want to recommend you get your kids into that job. <laughs> Full service. So I was like pumping. Oh, were you really? Toxic gasoline. I'd probably be a little smarter if I hadn't taken that job. But they did. So much of that up the nostrils might be, have been helpful. Yeah. But they did teach me the value of a dollar. And I really, I was good at saving back then because I was a little fearful. And then when I got a normal office job, like my first engineering job, which I got around like 20 years old, I wasn't even done in college yet. I was like, holy crap, this is the best job ever. Like, air conditioning in here i got my own cubicle there's a computer that someone else bought for me to me i appreciated all this stuff i could come and go even on the weekend i could go into the office and just do more work like you know people complain about that stuff now and it's really because they're spoiled and pampered they don't realize how nice office work is compared to other jobs isn't that funny how it's all about your perspective yeah so i thought i was making a ton of money and which resulted in me saving most of it throughout my engineering career, too. And, you know, I didn't complain because it was a pretty luxurious 
pastime. And then I only quit, quit when it was um, when I felt I had enough money. I would think a lot of those low paying jobs too were in some ways customer service jobs. And that must have informed you now and writing to an audience. Like even when you're pumping gas, you're playing to an audience. Huh? That's a novel perspective, Joe. I never well, thought of it you. that way. Yeah. Um, especially at a convenience store. Cause uh, I would have like hundreds and hundreds of customers per day. It was the most busy convenience store in the small town. And it was right next to the only liquor store in the town. So a lot of people would come and go get the chips to go with the thing next door. Yeah. They'd be drunk and getting mixers for their low price vodka right at the uh, liquor control board of ontario store because this is in canada so um yeah it was a good social job good practice for a young shy gentleman to like learn to talk to people i don't think it's bad for kids to have these some of these bad jobs i worked in fields i built radiation walls which maybe i'd be smarter if i didn't build radiation walls <laughs> but but i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think that's that's some great lessons i got from those things yeah, I agree. I, I think kids, like rich kids and non-rich kids alike, should get these jobs and they should think they need to earn money instead of the parents saying like, no, your job is just to get high SAT scores and we'll take care of everything and here's a trust fund. I think you're like, it's an advantage to not give your kids an advantage in that situation. Isn't that funny? Like applying a little bit of friction is actually good. Yeah. Yeah. So my son, he doesn't think he's going to get a bunch of money. He's not going to get a bunch of money from me. And I don't want him to expect that. I want him to think like, yeah, my dad and my parents earned good money all on their own, not from inheritances. And that's what I want to do myself. I want to ask you a couple of questions about the latest uh, couple blog posts that you have, because the, uh, the stock market, the, the media feeding us uh, a lot of good headlines about how worried we should be, about how horrible this is. And your, your headline, and I don't have it in front of me, I didn't write it down, but it's something like, finally, a stock market crash. Yeah, that's correct. You got it right. You, you've maybe a different point of view. Tell me, tell me about that. How should we be framing this stock market position we're in right now? Just uh, as a normal thing that happens all the time, like every couple of few years, and it's been longer than normal. If you don't count the really brief COVID crash of 2020, yeah. we actually had a way longer stock market it felt like an irregular heartbeat, like in, in, in hindsight, like, you yeah. know, the heart skipped a beat and then we were back to normal. Yeah. And everyone was scared at the time. I wrote a similar blog, blog article back then about like, this is not, you did not just lose half your retirement savings. And some people were forecasting like a multi-year or a permanent decline. I remember that. Yeah. It, it was done. Yeah. And then amazing how quickly we forget. And then, you know, a couple of years, stock market's super high. Everyone forgets about the crash. And now we're in another bear market. It's a longer one, and we don't know how long it's going to go. And people, the headlines are talking about really scary stuff, even though it's not. Because like in a re we may be in a recession now, or there may be a recession coming up in the U.S. And I saw an article today. I screenshotted it so I can make fun of it later. It says, U.S. economy grinds to a halt. I'm like, wow, what do they mean by that? Does that mean there's zero economic activity? And what it really, I looked into it, clicked on it, of course, like a sucker. And what it really means is that the economic growth reached zero percent, which means we are remaining at an all time record of insane trillions of dollars per day economic activity in this ridiculously rich, prosperous country of the United States. But we're only doing what we did last quarter. Yeah, that's all we're doing. Right. And we expect it to be always growing. And it's like a huge emergency if it goes down or heaven forbid, if it goes down one or two percent. So we're only at 98 percent of the all time record. It's so silly. Like it should really say economic growth you know, within 2% of all time insane record. That's what it should say at the heart of a recession. Right. Barely missed or something, even if they want to be a little negative, you yeah. know, I mean, right. something, the economy barely misses earnings. I don't know, something. 
a mentor of mine told me a long time ago, he said, imagine if you got on an elevator and your two choices were plummet or soar, like the way, the way, the way we talk about the stock market you know? oh, yeah. <laughs> all the time. There's no middle. Like, yeah, it was okay today. No, it plummeted oh, okay. or it soared. You've got people in your community, Pete, that are, that are retired, that retired. Some people retired, as you know, very aggressively. Like these people look at, at the last few months and they've seen their net worth number drop by a six-figure number. Yeah, I'm in that camp myself. <laughs> it's fine unless you were planning on selling all of your shares and, and or houses today, in which case it might be a slight bummer, but why, why would you do that? It's just the sticker price of your shares, which are going to go back up. And uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, the stock market article, if, uh, if people end up reading that, that explains how it really works out. Yeah. yeah. And what it means is like you have some cash reserves that are going to slowly get spent down. You have some other sources of income, perhaps, like maybe rental house, maybe your tenants are still paying rent. And you have stock dividends, which are not really changing. And then if you're truly retired, you might be selling a tiny, tiny batch of shares every one to three months which represents like a fraction of a percent of your portfolio. So during this time when stocks are down a little bit, you're selling a tiny bit more shares. Big deal. Like as long as you took that into account with the 4% rule, it's already expected. Well, what I liked about that discussion is during the go-go years, everybody was, it seems like was and very smart. People were, were fighting us about having that emergency fund in place, having that cash reserve. And I think now we're proving that we really want to have that cash that we can draw from when things go sideways for a little bit. Yeah, but you don't need a whole bunch because, like I said, your dividends are still going to, they're coming in every three months. And Rental properties, and stuff coming in. Yep, yeah, that yeah. too. And like a lot of people have part-time employment or like entrepreneurship employment. Like you don't need a bunch of cash. Like you, the retirement plan still works perfectly even if you hold zero cash. Like even if literally each day you go to the grocery store and you swipe a debit card and it sells the exact number of Vanguard shares that you need to pay for your groceries that day, that still works out. The cash buffer doesn't really do all that much because having a cash buffer costs you more in times of an appreciating market. It saves you a little bit during times of deep, like a decreasing market. But what does the stock market usually do? It usually goes up. So the less cash you hold, the better you do on average. And yeah, it's, it's mainly a fear. Um, you know, it's, it's a comfort. It's yeah, a comfort thing. It helps pad you. you know. If, so I would suggest a compromise of keeping like three, between three and 12 months of your living expenses in some kind of cash yeah. if you want. Like for me, that would be like, I spend like 20 something thousand dollars a year, yeah. but I don't keep that much cash. I keep, you know, maybe 5,000 in my checking account. We're, we're usually at three to six months expenses. But when you do that, I mean, you don't have to buy, if you're still working, you don't have to buy short-term disability anymore because you have that covered. If you, if you have uh, homeowner's insurance, you can raise your deductible, your, your car insurance, you can raise your deductible because of the fact that now you're your own insurance policy. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm also not a fan of a ton of cash, but having some cash to me makes sense. I want to ask about this latest post because uh, a guy named Aaron wrote to you and was asking this question. He uh, works in real estate, works in construction, and he asked the question about taking his properties that he owns right now, cashing them in with real estate being high and maybe putting them in the Vanguard total stock market index. But he asked this, this question that's really interesting because we get this all the time. He says something to the, to the point of real estate is tangible. I can see it. I can feel it. I can touch it. And I've got this stock market that isn't tangible that I can't see. And it's really seems tough for me 
to take this tangible stuff and sell it to buy this. I don't know. He kind of phrases it like it's some mystic thing, right? Yeah. He said just numbers on a computer screen. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting question that I think you hear all the time, I would think. Yeah. A lot of people do. And there was a good comment that came in on that blog post today as well, where someone was like, yeah, it's just all funny money. It doesn't really count. Like stock stocks aren't real. Actually, no. Someone was saying that their neighbor has that opinion. Their neighbor has that. Yeah. yeah and, I was uh, going to say, well, that person didn't get the point of the post. <laughs> yeah. After no. reading the thing, if somebody commented that, I feel bad for them. Yeah. I'd have to give them the reader comprehension. <laughs> Uh, grade of D. But yeah, a lot of people believe that about stock market. Other people believe housing is scam and other people, you know, like I'm just trying to teach the fundamentals with that particular blog post because you have to understand what a business is and like what is not a business like cryptocurrency speculation. There's no there's no earnings behind that. You're just hoping that the price goes up and that's a lot riskier because there's nothing to fall back on. There's never going to be dividends from your, your bitcoins and stuff like that. And yet buying a stock is not mystic because there is a business behind that, just like this gentleman with his uh, carpentry. Yeah, right. A stock is a really old-fashioned thing, even though people think of it as like this, you know, gambly, some people do, as a gambly, like imaginary thing. It's not. It's very old-fashioned. You're like a legally registered owner of a slice of this business, and you can vote if you really want to on the shareholder things and the board of directors, and you really get a share of their earnings. And in a way, that's good. It's just like property rights. Like, you'll notice if you own a house that, very rarely does somebody just you come home and somebody's in your living room saying, oh, I live here. You know? And that's because you trust that property rights are respected in this country. And because there's a lot of old fashioned stuff, you know, like deeds and recording. And sure, it could be modernized, but it also works fine. And if, if you need to kick this person out of your living room, you can safely call the police and say, this is my house. Kick this bum out of here. And it's like ridiculous person. And it's done. Yeah. And they really will come and kick him out. So um that's that's what property rights are in a nutshell. And when you own a share, it's the same thing. You use a, a company, Rivian. You share that when Rivian was going public, you like that stock a lot. I like the company a lot. I like the product. You like a lot the product? Yeah. yeah. Good. Good. Good point. So I was using an example because I was talking to my friends who are like they were enthusiastic about enthusiastic about it because they're like Colorado folks who are looking for a new electric vehicle. Yeah. And they're like, should we buy the IPO? And I'm like, well. Liking the product is not your decision process for whether you want to buy a company stock, an individual company. This, by the way, is where this is why I really wanted to talk about this, Pete, because I love how you talk about this, because so many people think buy what you know, right? They heard the Peter Lynch thing way back in the day, buy what you know, and they think that means buy the stock. And Peter Lynch has said a thousand times, that's not what I meant. And people think if I like the product that, that then you should go buy the stock. Yeah, especially at the early stages, like IPO, initial public offering, like Rivian went public right when Tesla was in its heyday. So That's everyone's right. thinking electric car companies are, are going to be all worth a trillion dollars. So Rivian, which was losing a bunch of money and had you know no factories yet, they were still went public at $75 billion valuation. And that's like more than you know all the major car companies in the United States, any of them, anybody except Tesla. So it's a strong bet. You know, It's saying like, oh, is Rivian really going to become super profitable and sell like half a million of these expensive trucks you know, and have like good labor relations and no technical problems. And are they going to get the supply chain? Like, you don't know that. You can't just say, yeah, it has a cool slide out kitchen. So I'm going to buy the shares because like, because those people didn't even know what the valuation of the company was. Like when I talked about it with them, I'm like, yeah, the valuation is 75 billion. Is that really worth it? And they're like, I don't know. I just like the slide out kitchen. <laughs> and well, and I love your point, which is, I don't know either. 
Yeah. So if you don't, if you're not ready to dive into the complete details of a company and understand everything right down to like the chemistry of their batteries and you have to become an expert in every single aspect of production and everything before you can really make a bet that's better than just buying an index fund. Later in the same blog post, I was like, here's what happened with the Rivian stock afterwards. It went public at $75. It briefly spiked up to $130. And then it's down at like 29 actually went as low as 19 Yeah. And that's because it's a gamble until the company starts proving itself with earnings. And I actually love Rivian companies. I love the founder, this nice Clark Kent guy. Yeah. He's a really, really nice yeah. Yeah. gentleman. Yeah. And I really hope the company succeeds and, and earns the highest stock price. Because even now... At $30, it's still a very highly valued company. But still, did you buy any shares? No. I want to ask then, when we talk about stock market versus real estate, yeah, real which estate. way do I go? Like, what do I do? Is one better than the other? Well, real estate is so simple that you can actually understand it. You don't have to become this expert like I talked about with the Rivian. You can understand, like, what does this house cost? Do I understand the neighborhood and how much does it rent for? And if those numbers work out, if the price to rent ratio is good, you can be really pretty sure that it's a good investment. I feel like that blog post would be the nearly shocking, uh, <laughs> nearly shockingly simple or, or, or shockingly nearly simple. Okay. Math. You I don't can, know. Maybe you can make maybe that not. Blog post. Yeah, I probably yeah. won't. Yeah. So real estate's easy, but it's also more work and you can earn higher returns with rental real estate than you can with the stock index funds. And the reason for that is because it demands individual expertise. You can't just randomly buy houses in any city in the U.S. and expect to outperform the stock market. But you can become an expert locally, buy a good house, be a good landlord, do the work, you know, get a good mortgage that's a low interest rate and manage the financing well. And then you're rewarded. But that's because you're doing a job and you're using your skill. Just like if I go back to engineering, I invest $0 and I get a nice six-figure paycheck. Get a big, yeah, because you're, you're bringing value to the equation. Right. And is that a million percent return on investment when all I had to do is buy like a nice pair of work pants? Like, no, that's me working and trading my skill for labor. And that's what real estate ownership and shop, even just purchasing, is, is trading your skill for labor if you do it well. Which I love how you come down at the end of that. And by the way, we'll link to this uh, piece on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com so everybody can can read the full because there's a lot more in this piece. You go much more granular than we are getting here. But, but I love where, where you come down on this, which is end up with what you value, which is so shocking because you never have that, that opinion <laughs> in any other piece. I'm saying very sarcastically. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, my advice for the contractor in the end was like, if you like managing houses, keep doing it. If you're getting a little tired, then sell them and buy stock index funds because that's truly passive. And then you just keep working on whatever you really care about, like do the right amount of construction for you and no more. And that's kind of what I do now. Like I still do a fair amount of construction, but I'm not running a crew of five employees like this Aaron guy is. Yeah. And, uh, if he's anything like me, because we're the same age, I, I suspect that he would probably like some more time off. Yeah. Yeah. It's great stuff. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us and for hosting our event here. I super appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. It's great. Great interview. Hey, this is Lou Mangello from WW Radio. And when I'm not at Walt Disney World or sharing my passion for Disney World or eating, I am stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Mr. Money Mustache. Uh, to Pete, not for just sitting down with me and having that, that uh, just fantastic conversation, OG, but also for hosting my book event in Longmont. It was, it was an honor when he said that he'd love to get some stackers together 
in the community. And we ended up uh, with beautiful weather, about 45, 50 people uh, hanging out outside as Carl Jensen and I chatted about some themes from the book. But back to this interview, number one, obviously he's singing off the same song sheet as you and IOG when it comes to stocks or real estate. Do the one that floats your boat more. You definitely need uh, either or both. But second, I love this idea of only do the manual labor if you love it. If you don't love the manual labor, put the money in index funds, make it more passive. Too many people struggling with real estate because they think it's a great thing when they really don't need to go through all that hassle. But if it lights your fire, fantastic opportunity. Yeah. I mean, again, all things return similar in the equity space. The reason that real estate works the way it does is because of the leverage factor. And if that's your ballywick, then have at it. Like, it's fine. There's plenty of people who have become, yes, Doug, I know you're going to say, no, 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 actually, well, no, I want you to explain that more. I, don't, I actually didn't, I'd like a little more depth on why it works because of the leverage factor. Because stocks and real estate appreciate at the same rate, give or take. Yeah. Okay. So they're all equity based. And so if you're going to have column A and column B that has the exact same appreciation, then what does it matter? It right. really doesn't. It's just what your preference is. The reason real estate is so attractive is because you can take $100,000 and buy $500,000 worth of real estate uh, versus taking $100,000 to buy $100,000 worth of stock. Now, it. the reality yep. is, is that you can, of course, leverage your stock portfolio you can, too. Right. I which, was going to say. Which is really funny when you talk to real estate folks and you go, hey, so, you know, what do you like about this so much? They go, oh, you know, I took $100,000. I just saw an Instagram video, Grant Cardone's like, if you gave me a million dollars, I'd go buy $10 million worth of property. It's like, well, you can do that in stocks too. You can you call it you can call it fidelity and say, hey, I got a million bucks. You let me buy 10 million of stock. They'll be like, hell yeah, we will. <laughs> At do the it. low, low rate of 4%. Yeah, they'll give, it'll be the same thing as a mortgage. But people don't do that. And you go, why not? Oh, it's risky. Well, the, the largest 500 companies in the universe are are more risky than one apartment building and, right. and you know, Timbuktu. I don't know. But we don't think of it that way. So it's um, it, it really is whatever is most interesting to you and fits your persona. You know, we own rental properties. Joe, you've owned them before. I'm not really a handy guy. I don't really want to be. I don't, I'm not interested in, you know, trying to get over there and fix the, uh, fix the sinks when they're leaking. So I got to have people to do that. And that those people start cutting into your profit margin pretty quickly. Which goes back OG to Pete's discussion. He loves doing carpentry and making far less per hour than he knows he could probably make doing other things, but he loves it so much that he continues to do it, but only because of the love of it, not because of the, the, the money factor. That's right. Good stuff. Thanks so much again to, uh, to Pete Edney, Mr. Money Mustache. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first, my friend. No, I don't. Um, a, the ability to putt. <laughs> Can they You're, give that to me? Can they get me a putting game? Are you missing that? You're missing the ability to putt? I'm leaving everything short. So many jokes. So, so, so little, little time. Uh, that's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. So Doug can take putting lessons and maybe get it longer. 
I don't, I don't, well, yeah, what do I, what do I do? How do I not make I a, and to make it even better, make it all the, the way there. The putter I use is called the hog. Of course it is. <laughs> you know, there's a great barbecue place in Little Rock called the whole hog, which is fantastic barbecue, but your putter would be like the three quarters hog or nine tenths hog At right now. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, it's more like the 60% hog. It's pretty bad. Not quite there. You can enjoy your time putting because of the fact you're not filling out silly life insurance applications. When you use Haven Life, you get it done quickly because the application is simple. It's online. Prices are affordable. And of course, different than some of the brand new companies out there, they're backed by companies more than 160 years old in Mass Mutual. StackingBenjamins.com slash Haven Life. Stackers, you know you got to get it done. Let's get your life insurance in order. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our new friend, Lynn. Say hi, Lynn. Hi, Stacking Benjamins team. Hopefully an easy question. Currently, I am in my mid-30s and I am looking to see what I might want to do if I ever retire. One of the things I would like is to get a pilot's license. Can I start a 529 plan for myself to learn how to fly? And if so, what type of watchouts should I be aware of? Thanks, and I can't wait for the free t-shirt. Bye. Lynn, we're definitely sending one to you uh, because you were brave enough to call in stackingbenjamins.com slash voicemail. Thanks for that. No, gee, this is one of my favorite things about a 529 plan is if the, the state of beneficiary doesn't use it or you make yourself the state of beneficiary, you can get creative with the type of school you go to. First of all, learning to fly is super fun. So you should definitely do that. It's a fun time <laughs> machine. That's for sure. Whether or not you can use your 529 for it or set up a 529 for it is kind of sort of yes and no. 529s are meant to be used for qualified education expenses, higher education expenses, although you can use some, to some extent, you can use them for K to 12 now for private school, but it's got to be used for something pursuant to a degree or pursuant to some sort of, you know, higher education goal just paying for flight training at the local, you know, flight academy probably doesn't qualify for that. Going to a school wherein you're moving toward a, a degree associated with it or something like that definitely would. This is going to be something that you're going to want to run by your CPA before you start trying to claim these as expenses. I'm pretty confident that if you just stop by your local hangar and pay your you know, local flight instructor, 500 bucks a day to teach you to fly, it's not going to qualify. If you go to a school that specializes in it, you've got a much better chance for it to qualify. But again, uh, this is definitely going to be something that you want to run by your CPA before you start spending the money. There are some flight schools in the, in the USA that are associated with major universities where they have programs that dive into this, but are degree programs. Ohio State University has one. Purdue has one. Yep. University yep, of North did. Dakota has one. So, OG, I think, and once again, go to your CPA to ask them, I think that those types of programs would probably qualify. And then just to piggyback off of what Joe said, you know, sometimes uh, community colleges have flight courses that you can take, and maybe you can use some of it for like uh, ground school that you've got to do, um, kind of the book training uh, lesson learning, you know, that kind of stuff. There might be some sort of way that you can kind of combine it, but um, not all of it, I don't think. This also, by the way, dovetails into other programs, like if uh, uh, accredited cooking programs, uh, if somebody's going to a chef school, once again, can't go down to the local restaurant and take their one hour thing and 
use 529, yeah. you know, that you do with wine and you're barely paying attention. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say with the wine thing, when you go down the, the cooking class at the, what about the local when you go chef. to Chili's and you assembly your own fajitas. Right. Maybe exactly. might, might, might not, might not work. Uh, but also if you're getting a, a, a degree in some type of sports program, you know, maybe your, your golf lessons, Doug, for your putting uh, uh, might work, but it has to be affiliated with that degree program. Um, and once again, third time we'll say it, contact your tax professional. Thanks though for the question, Lynn. And it is pretty exciting if you find a way to do that. Uh, com slash voicemail for you to ask a question of us like Lynn did in a short one, but a great one. All right. That's going to do it for today. A lot of people for Doug to thank here in a second, but before we do that, coming up on Wednesday, we've got a fantastic episode special episode of the Stacky Benjamin Show. A couple times a year, we try to dive into things that you are doing as stackers. We're going to profile some of our audience and some of the exciting things they have going on. So be sure to join us on Wednesday. And also, if you want to watch us make episodes this summer, all summer long, most weeks, 5 p.m. Eastern, do the math on where you are. We are live on YouTube making our Friday shows. That's Monday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern the Stacky Benjamins channel on YouTube. Make sure that you subscribe to our channel and hit the little bell so it will notify you when we've got new stuff coming on, whether it's our live episodes or any of the new exciting stuff we've got going on at our YouTube channel. But if you're not here for YouTube videos, you're not here to learn how to use 529 plans for your flight lessons, but you are here specifically because you need a better team in your corner need to think bigger about your financial goals. OG and his team are taking clients. So head to stackybedjamins.com slash OG. That leads you to his team's calendar. And it's the beginning of the road to making better money decisions. All right, Doug, I think uh, that does it except for the biggest question. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from Mr. Money Mustache. When it comes to investing, remember, it's an investment, not a lifestyle. Get invested in stocks or real estate, but choose the one that gives you the most time to enjoy what you love about life. Second, a 529 plan for yourself? Amen, sister. Time to get ready to get that pilot's license, play golf, or learn to cook. As long as it's part of an accredited college program and you check with your tax advisor first. But the big lesson? Probably time to change my 401k password away from 123456. Oh, I got it. Yeah. 654321. That'll fool them. Nobody's ever used that one. Thanks to Mr. Money Mustache for joining us. You'll find him and all the mustachian cultists at MrMoneyMustache.com. Thanks also to Pete a.k.a. Mr. Money Mustache, for hosting Joe on his book tour. Want to check out the Q&A from Mr. Money Mustache headquarters about Stacked? Joe was interviewed in Longmont by Carl Jensen, and you can listen in on the Mile High Fi podcast, available wherever you're listening to us right now. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. 
You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Doug, you just alerted me to a show that uh, you said that I need to watch. Let's listen to a little trailer. This is a new show on Hulu called The Bear. 25 pounds? No, no, no. I ordered 200. What is beef? You still got that meat connect? You get 1250 for that on eBay. Boom. You cut vegetables like a b- System, baby. System, system. This is your brother's house. I was running it fine without you. Why didn't he leave it to you then? And it looks like it's a restaurant in Chicago. And apparently, according to that exchange, it looks like um, uh, a brother must have passed away or had something happen to him and fights with the guy that was running it and the uh, the new owner, right? which is right. the deceased guy's brother, I would imagine. And then yeah, lots of interactions. This is a longish uh, trailer, but the rest of the trailer is really compelling. People want to go watch it. That's the right word to use, compelling or engaging. We tried to watch, started a show last night that OG really, I would say now in hindsight, oversold. It was so cheesy that we were all laughing watching the television. So we had to find something else. And then I remembered, oh, I heard this great recommendation about the bear. What show was that? Chernobyl? <laughs> we were cracking up. Maybe not. Uh, but uh, I'm sure that he and I are going to have it out after we turn the mics off here because he's going to be upset that I didn't like his recommendation. But what's, uh, what's the show? The show that we really didn't like? Yeah. Terminal List? You thought... Yeah, watch. You thought it was cheesy? Oh my God. It was as cheesy, formulaic as you could imagine. And Chris Pratt is one of the worst actors I've seen. He just needs to stay in his lane like the Parks and Rec 
Andy Lane. He's awesome at that. But I just heard. Oh him. my god, is that movie or that that show is just the worst. You're just saying it to tick me off. It's it's. <laughs> it, what does it got like a ninety eight percent on uh, Rotten Tomatoes or something so like bad. that? It's I just so heard bad. him talking about it on another podcast. What did you watch? Did you watch like the first five minutes of it? What 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 we didn't you like? The first whole first episode. Oh gee, he didn't like Curb Your Enthusiasm. So who knows? Oh no, I didn't say that. I didn't like. Okay, let's get back to the bear, <laughs> can we? So we didn't like. None of us like Terminal List. And by the way, the the fin your turn, family is this weirdest family in the universe no How and the fin turn like by the it? way if it was good the fin turn would have loved terminal list because it's like his genre he loves that stuff and even he was like oh this is so bad anyway so we're searching around and i remember i, I feel heard like a, you watched the wrong show i read a, a good review for the bear and immediately it felt so much more authentic like it's almost like somebody just was wearing a body cam in a chaotic uh, restaurant in the kitchen of a restaurant. And in fact, the, the review, uh, one of the reviews I read was by a chef who said, I spent my entire life working in high end restaurants and this is the most accurate I've ever seen a kitchen portrayed. So it's just, you're immediately stressed watching this show, but in a good way, you're like, I got to find out what's going on here. And it just feel, it doesn't even feel like they're actors because they're all talking over the top of each other, but it doesn't seem contrived. It just seems like regular people that are, this is their world. This is their job. And the back end storyline is that, yeah, Joe, you got most of it. A brother passed away. His brother, who was already identified as one of the top up and coming chefs in the world, or at least in the country. Anyways, he was working at super high end restaurants, doing all this really fancy stuff. And he gets pulled back to run this little you know, hole in the wall, Chicago original beef sandwich shop. And he wants to turn it into something amazing and everybody's fighting him. And I'm realizing now, I think I'm on, we did three episodes last, but 30 minute episodes. So they're really easy to get through. I love it when a show can be that deep in 30 minutes. Cause I think that's a skill. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I know we spend a lot of time learning about storytelling just for the purposes of this show. And and I think you touched on an important thing there because yeah, you get an awful lot. It's, it, there's so much there that it, I was, we were through the first two episodes and Finn turn said, Oh, I could do another one of those. And I'm like, how, how have we watched three hours of shows already and realized we hadn't, we'd only spent an hour on the first two episodes. And um, yeah, it's, it's super authentic and you just want to find out how this team comes together. And I realized that's a theme that I, I'm always a sucker for is a team coming together from, you know, they all hate each other. They all have very different backgrounds and there's, they're not going to work with each other. And then they slowly start coming together. That's a thing that, that I'm always, it's, you know, it's like, remember the Titans. Well, I'm, I'm going to fall for even that every deeper time. than that. I think this is a kind of timeless, frankly, uh, American story uh, because I was listening to something uh, from the, the the golden age of radio on my drive yesterday, a Fibber McGee and Molly episode, and they were talking about Horatio Alger books uh-huh. and about how, you know, and they're even joking then, this is in the early 1940s, they're joking about how these books are all the same, how it starts off with this person who's struggling and a, a rich guy comes across him or a rich woman comes across him and tries to give him like, Uh, some really nice ring. He decides not to take the ring. Instead, he takes a job from the guy. Then he works his way up the corporate ladder. He ends up with marrying the dude's daughter. And then the guy is a wedding present, gives him the same thing that he would have gotten him. And now he's 
doing much like this, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get everybody on your team, I think is this story that's resonated for long periods of time. Yeah. And and I'm in the middle of a book that I can't put down right now. I shouldn't say I'm in the middle. I'm almost done. I was cramming it in even before we started recording today called The Boys in the Boat, which just a spectacular. I mean, I think I'm the last one to the party on this book, but it's about the University of Washington 1936 rowing crew who went on to the Olympics. And it's the same kind of thing. It's just trying to figure out what's the right combination of eight guys in this boat, nine, I guess, if you count the coxswain, who are going to work harmoniously together. And all of these guys were from really poor backgrounds. It was, you know, the the middle of the depression and they had to pull themselves up and just have the right characteristics to work as a team. So there's a lot of a lot of that in The Bear. I would recommend it. Well, apparently The Bear is a thumb up from Doug. Can't wait to try because that sounds like my kind of stuff. But we're not pulling as a team on Terminal List, so I think we got to get it together. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.